Welcome to Hype Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I am Meg Walter in studio with Eli and Babadook. Uh, Eli, before we get to <laughs> the Babadook, what have you been watching? Movies. I've been watching movies. Tell me about them. I tried to watch Poltergeist for the first time. <gasps> <laughs> have you watched it? No, I'm too scared. No. Meg, it is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Really? I made it halfway, and I was like, I can't be a part of this but you're anymore. Not, you're not a, a scaredy cat like I am. <clears throat> Meg, no. <laughs> this looks like, so the, the, the special effects look like Disney animation. Okay. It's so bad. It is so incredibly bad. It's got Craig T. Nelson in it. Oh, it does? Who's always been 40 since the beginning of time. Yeah. He plays the dad. And... It is really, really hokey, okay, uh, it, absurd and jumpy, but not. It doesn't make you jump. Mm. The plot is jumpy, like it just oh, like oh, okay. it's, it's really bad. Skylar was very disappointed at me because we made it about halfway through, and I was like, I can't. I need this turned off. This is so. I'm like so uncomfortable with this movie. It's so stupid, and he was really upset because it was a big part of his childhood. So I ruined that for him. How was he reacting to it? Was he scared? No, he was like looking at me, like right. You know, it was like that. <laughs> and he's like, "Well, it's not. It's not like a scary movie, but it's like a big part of you know culture or whatever." It's sure. no. Meg is this is not a scary film. It's okay. so so terrible. Anyway, sorry if you, you guys love it. I watched Waking Ned last night. Waking Ned Divine. Waking Ned Divine. Is that the full name of it? Uh-huh. My goodness, how have I never known about this movie before? I am. I feel like a terrible friend. It's Irish. Yeah. And it has, it, I, I guess I just really like Irish stuff because it, it reminded me of Dairy Girls. Like it's yeah. got kind of that same sort of campy, jokey, Irishy vibe. Yeah. And, um, and it's like this small town, it's about a small town and they find out somebody in this small town has won the lottery, but he's dead. So the whole town has to pretend that this guy is alive because they want the pay... They want him to, like, get the money so that they can split up the money in the town. And it is such a cute movie. Yeah. I, I cried twice. I laughed the whole time. Truly a delight. It's Honestly, everybody go watch Waking Ned Divine. I don't know how I've never heard of this. And I think I need to check out more Irish films is what I'm learning. Yeah. Although, there's one about a guy that went up a hill and came down a mountain. Same vibe. Just, like, yeah. uh, like poor Irish people coming together. I love it. Yeah. That's the that's the content I want and yeah. need right now. Yeah. I have to watch all Irish content with subtitles because I do not understand the words. Even British stuff. I struggle. Some British stuff for sure. But like Dairy Girls, it's, you know, a, a bunch of Irish people. And then there's one British guy in there and he's the only person I can understand. Yeah. His lines, I'm like, I'm good with you. But the rest of them, I, oh. I have no idea you what you're saying. You have to turn on the subtitles for Dairy Girls. I, I, can, I cannot watch that without subtitles. Yeah. It's It might as well be another language. Yeah. <laughs> but Anyways. yeah, Dairy Girls is like definitely a top three like current show for me. I love that show so much. And then we watched 28 Days starring Sandra Bullock. I'm about the rehab center. Okay, Meg. <laughs> my whole life, well, since it came out, you know, 20 years ago, so basically my whole life, I have misunderstood what 28 Days was. I have always thought it was like this romantic comedy in like the same vein as The Wedding Planner. Oh. Like that, I, I was just like, oh, you know, 
Sandra Bullock's many rom-coms, like, while you were sleeping in 28 days. I just, like, assumed that it was some story about, like, a woman and a man who work together and fall in love in 28 days or something like that. Sure. This is a very dark film. It's not—I would not call it a comedy at all. Mm. There's a little bit of humor in it. Um, I wouldn't call it a romantic movie. You know, like, that's not—there's kind of a bit of a relationship, but it's not the focus of the movie, and it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. And it's very depressing. So I thought it was really good. I was—I went into this thinking, like, oh, I'm going to get a C- minus rom-com and i came out of it and i was like ah, that was like a very thoughtful interesting kind of sad movie hmm. um i know that it did terrible like critics hate it because i looked up oh, some really? reviews and i think some of it has to do with a lot of people didn't like how it portrayed rehab centers i my exposure to like rehab centers and addiction is very tangential like and so it might just be that i don't know enough to realize that it's not a good movie but i watched it and was just like oh this is like a really compelling story sandra bullock is she's great at pretty much everything she does and so she was fun to watch in it but have you seen it yeah but it's been a long time so i should revisit it because i think i was 13 i was like well that was different than what i was expecting because did you also think you were going to watch a rom-com yeah and then it was this dark depressing movie about rehab uh I liked it, so I don't know. If if there's a reason why I'm not supposed to like it and somebody can explain it to me, I'd love to hear it. But when, when it ended, Skylar and I were both like, that was a really good movie. Hmm. And maybe we were just in the right mood for it. But I, I would love it. to do an episode on movies critics hated but we love. We should. I, I have a few. Fun, yeah. I got a few of those. Me too. What okay. else? Anything else? That, that's it. Just movies. What have you been watching? Um. So last week when Angie was here, she was talking about Cabin in the Woods, mm. uh, which is quote-unquote horror movie Mm. we watched it it is one of the funniest movies i've ever seen really yes it is joss whedon who did buffy the vampire slayer and he does a lot of script punching up he punched up the toy story script Mm. um it is such a different movie than you go in thinking it will be and i don't want to tell you about it because i want you to watch it and experience it okay i'll say that you're going to watch the first two minutes and think that you turned on the wrong movie oh i'm excited now and that excitement lasts through the entirety of the movie because it's a very different storyline than you think it's going to be and it is so fun in like my favorite kind of way mm-hmm. and very winky about the genre of horror okay so i i want you to watch it so we can talk about it more okay i'm gonna do it this weekend um, also how do we get a job to punch up scripts that sounds like an am- i know i think you have to job. write scripts is the thing. see i don't want to write an original no, one i, I just want to take something that's already there and be like i'll add a joke on that part I know. me too me too let's we'll look into it okay um the Great British Baking Show, which is, it's just really what we need it's a perfect, at this time. It's a and we've already talked about therapy. it two weeks in a row. I know yeah. we don't need to go more into it. But it's just, once you make the commitment to put your phone down and really focus on what's going on, mm-hmm. it is so much what your soul has been craving mm-hmm. for everybody. Yep. I think that's universal. Mm-hmm. Really glad it's back. And as much as I wish I could watch nine episodes in a row, yeah. I am grateful that they're spreading it out. And I have that to look forward to week Agreed. after week. And I will be very sad when that ends. 
Um, that's pretty much it. Can I, one, one thing I just I remembered, because last week we talked about Val Kilmer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. In fact, there's a poll. Uh, I don't, it'll probably be closed by the time we do this, yeah. but there's a poll who's hotter, Kevin Costner, Val Kilmer. I think Kevin Costner's winning. Uh, it, which is insane to me. No, it makes, no. I just, th- what this poll has taught me is that straight women and gay men are looking for different things than men. Isn't that good? Isn't that the yeah, way no, it should I, be? This is not a complaint. It's just... I have never thought Kevin Costner was even remotely See, attractive. I, I like rugged. Yeah, I don't get it. And Val <laughs> Kilmer at his peak was like the perfect man. But what the reason I'm bringing this up, I Googled Val Kilmer this morning. Yeah. Have no, you looked at him he's, lately? He's had a rough go of it. Meg. I. You need to watch The Snowman. I... Do not recognize this man. Yeah, I don't see I Val Kilmer. An accident. I mean, I, I and to be clear, I'm not making fun of him. This this no, is not had, me being like he had cancer. I, or something. something. I I know he's had health issues. I'm not trying to make fun of him. What I'm saying is I don't recognize him. Yeah. Like, and I I, I hope he's doing well. But like, I'm yeah. showing Meg a picture that just popped. You up. You know who he looks like is the guy on that documentary. What was it called? The Spanish speaking horoscope guy oh yeah that you were telling me about yeah. that you really liked and now i can't remember he does name. look like walter that guy. something 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 um it, it's just i mean i just don't recognize him so if you guys have not googled val kilmer lately look him up it's really strange and i also didn't realize he was 60 now in my mind i was like oh he's probably like 43 he's a little older than me yeah i kind of think of him as a peer he's 60 <laughs> Six zero. Okay, that's all I had to say. God, God bless you, Val Kilmer. I hope you're doing well wherever you are. We all do. Eli, this week we watched The Babadook. Babadook. Where'd you get this? On the shelf. If it's in a word or it's in a look, you can't get rid of the Babadook. A rumbling sound, then three sharp knocks. Babadook. That's when you'll know he's around. You'll see him if you look. Nothing bad's gonna happen, Sam. Did he think that about my dad before he died? Who sees things as they are, that one? I promise to protect you if you promise to protect me. Oh my God. Did he hurt anyone? The boy has significant behavioral problems. This monster thing has got to stop, all right? It's just a book. It can't hurt you. So I'm trying to repair my relationship with horror God. movies. Oh. <laughs> well, that too. But uh, more importantly, horror movies. Yeah. Because I think that there are really interesting conversations to be had around horror movies. Yeah. And I have historically been too afraid to watch them and felt left out of those conversations. So I've decided to approach it differently. I watched The Babadook yesterday at 1 p.m. in broad daylight. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It is a very good movie it's fantastic i also don't think it's scary and i'm not sure that it's supposed to be i think if i had watched this at night i would have been afraid so okay and here's what i'll say i think that the introduction to the babadook is creepy but then they do the thing you know frequently in 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 horror films they give you like 
brief glimpses of the monster throughout to keep the suspense and keep the scare. And then at the end, they finally bring the monster out. And then it's not so scary once the monster's out. The Babadook gives you like a little bit of creep factor as they're introducing it. And then I feel like they just kind of throw you into it. And so the whole back half of the movie, there's so much going on, but I don't feel scared about it because it's so, it is so in my face. And the first time I watched this movie, I was like, oh, they, they messed up because you're not supposed to do that in a horror film. My rewatch of this movie made me realize I don't think that the filmmakers wanted it to be a traditional horror film in that way. I think they were trying to communicate a broader kind of deeper message. Yeah. And they didn't want you distracted by being scared. Yeah, there aren't there aren't jump scares in this movie. Not this many. is not things hiding in the corner coming out to get you. This is there are some pretty haunting images yeah. though. And that's what gets me in horror movies is the images I see when I close my eyes. And there are a few of those in this that would stick with you. Uh, I think would have frightened me more had I watched it immediately prior to going to bed. I'm mm. glad that I didn't do that. I'm glad I watched it in the middle of the day with the sun shining, with my family home. Mm. Just just because it let me watch it in a more kind of introspective analytical way which i think this movie deserves yes actually because this movie is doing a lot mm -hmm. i almost think it's a disservice to put this movie in the horror genre mm -hmm. because it's really so much more than that let's go ahead let's talk about the plot okay and then kind of dig into some of these themes we're gonna cover spoilers here mm -hmm. if you haven't seen the babadook i recommend seeing the babadook if you don't want the movie ruined now might be a good time to turn this episode off come back when you've watched it uh Young, it's a woman uh, and her son. This woman in Australia. In Australia, her husband has died. He actually died on the way to the hospital to have her son. So we're meeting this woman and her son seven years after the death, uh, and they're not doing great. He has some behavioral issues. She's struggling to parent him through these issues. She's exhausted. She's working. Um, she's never really recovered from her grief of losing her husband. She has a sister who is a little bit supportive, but not as supportive as she should be for all intents and purposes. She's pretty alone yeah. in raising the son who is a challenge. She's got, yeah, she's got the sister and then she's got a next door neighbor, elderly woman who is a friend of theirs and is trying to be a support to this mom but one of the barriers to her relationships with these other characters is she herself is quite closed off. Yeah. She doesn't want people to mention the name of her deceased husband. She doesn't want to talk about it. She's very, you, you get the impression very early on in the film that what she's communicating to people and the face that she's putting on is not real. It's very surface level -y. Yeah. And I think the actress does an incredible job communicating very early that she's just kind of in this like robotic survival mode. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the way they don't put any makeup on her, she looks exhausted. The Although way she she's still is gorgeous. Yeah. But she, they're <laughs> yeah. very clearly communicating tired mom. She's tired. Um, yeah. So this son he's getting kind of expelled from his school they're having so many problems with him he keeps bringing weapons that he's creating to school not to hurt anyone but not to hurt anyone. he's just kind of a creative kid who yeah. can't really control some of his impulses yeah um he asked her to read this book that he's, he's found. such a freaking cute kid he's an, and he is a good actor he's like this so kid good. Is a very talented child actor. Sometimes I can't tell if kids are actually good or if their accent is throwing me off. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> but I think he's very good. I think he is genuinely good, and I think their relationship is good. Mm -hmm. um, 
I read that they like did a lot pre-filming to kind of create them. a bond. Interesting. Um, and then the director gave the child a, what she called a kitty version of the plot so that he would ostensibly understand what was happening, but not some of the darker aspects gotcha. of what was happening. Anyway, he finds this book, has her read it. The book is called The Babadook, an anagram for the bad book. Mm -hmm. uh, the Babadook is a pop-up book, and these pop-up images are pretty disturbing. They're creepy. It's very creepy. Very well done. Mm -hmm. The styling in this movie and the art direction is really cool. The Babadook is about this creature that once you utter its name, it's in your house. Uh, you've invited it in. You can't get rid of you the Babadook. You can't Baba get rid Duke. of it. Eventually, you're going to wish you were dead. Yeah. Um, she's obviously freaked out. He's freaking out. She's like, where did this book come from? Yeah. Yeah. She changes the end to being like something beautiful about the oceans because he's freaking out so much, but she's pretty rattled. Yeah. Um, he starts talking about the Babadook pretty often mm -hmm. and she's getting increasingly annoyed with him talking about that because his behavior is also worsening. He's becoming an insomniac. Uh, she, she's not sleeping she's because not of sleeping his insomnia. Because he's not sleeping she destroys the book. Um, after she destroys the book, it shows back up on her doorstep. There's new pages in the Babadook that depict her killing first their dog and then Samuel, the son, and then herself. Mm -hmm. At this point, she's super rattled, burns the book, goes to the police station. They ask for evidence. She says, someone's stalking me. They say, okay, show us how she can provide no evidence. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, her relationship with her sister is strained because her sister has told her that she can't stand Samuel. She can't stand being around him. She doesn't want her kid playing with the, this boy who's just weird, you know, and yeah. dangerous potentially and sometimes actually is kind of dangerous. And so at this point, she's very isolated. And she's on the edge. She's on the edge. Sleep deprived, scared. She's snapping at the neighbor, Gracie. Um, Samuel keeps talking more about the Babadook. He has a seizure on the way home from a birthday party because he thinks he's seen the Babadook in the car. They go to the doctor. They get sedatives. She starts giving Samuel the sedatives. Mm -hmm. It's at this point that it's clear the Babadook is starting to have an influence on her. Mm -hmm. um, she starts snapping more frequently. She starts saying very mean things to Samuel, who's starting to become afraid of her. Mm -hmm. And then there's a point where she's in bed and you hear... Babadook. Mm -hmm. um, and you kind of see the possession. You see like the Babadook enter her. Yeah. Um, and she is now possessed by the Babadook. And mm -hmm. it's at that point that things get off the rails. Pretty scary. Yeah. I mean, she breaks the dog's neck. Mm -hmm. She has a vision that she's killed Samuel. She hasn't actually done it, but you see her vision of having done it. She destroys the phone. She cuts the cord to the phone so Samuel can't call anyone. Mm hmm. And it, this is all happening through the middle of the night. This is one night. She sees a vision of her husband, her deceased husband. Her hot husband. Super hot oh, husband. I, no, one, I would go off the rails, too, if I had I that know, husband and he I died. I know. And can he's get like, out of town. we can be together. I just need you to bring me the boy. Yeah. Um, and at first she rejects that. But then it's like, oh, I'm just, okay. You know? <laughs> and so she tries to get Samuel she tries to lure him, and then he's kind of, Samuel understands what's happening, and he says, you're not my mom. Yeah. And he manages to tie her up on the ground. Uh, she tries to strangle him, and he caresses her face. Oh, my gosh. I started sobbing during this scene. And she 
vomits what's like this black liquid, yeah. which is indicative that the Babadook has been expelled from her body. However, Samuel says, Mom, you can't get rid of the Babadook. And the mm-hmm. Babadook, who is now kind of like an imaginary presence, is shooting Samuel upstairs all around the room. And it's up to Amelia, the mom here, to confront the Babadook. And they have like this pretty emotional confrontation where she's... She's hugging Samuel and screaming. Screaming at the yeah. Babadook and manages to wrangle him downstairs. Mm-hmm. So it's the end of this. And lock him in the basement. In the basement. The end of this horrific night. And we cut to this scene outside where it's lighting like you haven't seen the rest of the movie. The rest of the movie has been very like dark and cold and this mm-hmm. is bright. She's out gardening. Samuel's working on one of his weapon inventions. They seem to be at peace. They seem great. Uh, he comes over with a bowl of worms and she says, oh my gosh, you have so many today. Mm-hmm. Great job. I'll be right back. She takes the worms down to the basement, sets them on the floor. The Babadook comes out of the corner, tries to attack her again, and she calms it down. The Babadook takes the bowl of worm and retreats. She goes back outside. Samuel shows her a magic trick. He says, how was it? And she said, not too bad today. Mm. The end of the movie. I was sorry. It is. It's so good. A beautiful oh my gosh. movie. And it's saying so much. Yeah. So I wrote down a few things that I want to cover because I think there's a that you could interpret this movie a million different ways. I'm interested to see what you say about it. Mm. For me, it was very clearly a story written by a woman and mm. directed by a woman. Mm. There were so many themes in this of the uh, un- the taboo aspects of being a woman, the things you really aren't supposed to discuss, how mm. challenging being a mother can be, mm. how challenging it can be to have a child who's not behaving well, um, how challenging it would be to do all of that on your own. I know that Jennifer Kent, who directed this, based this off of her friend's experience. Her friend was a single mother, and she had a child who kept saying he was seeing monsters. Mm-hmm. And she turned that idea into this story, which was first a short movie called Monster, and then she turned it into this larger movie, mm. The Babadook. Um, it, in addition to that, I felt like it was a, an attempt to kind of acknowledge how scared people are and i think especially parents to uh, admit that they need help yes. you know you you kind of see that theme pop up throughout the movie and she she feels like she can't ask for help she's scared to ask for help because that might mean that she's a failure she's scared to ask for help because she might have to explain why she needs help yeah and there's um one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is in the middle of the night during like all of these awful things are happening and the next door neighbor an elderly woman comes over and knocks on the door and so the mom goes mom goes and answers the door and the neighbor's like i just want to make sure everything's okay like it's clear that she's hearing things and is worried about them and they have this like the neighbor gives this really beautiful exchange but the mom doesn't want it she's not ready to kind of take it yet but the neighbor just says i love you and sam so much and i would do anything for you and mm-hmm. she's like trying to communicate to her like i'm here to give you whatever it is that you need and then that kind of ends the exchange. And you see sort of that theme pop up a few times where, like, the, the mom has tools available to her that even are overtly, like, trying to reach out to her in, in that one particular case. But she has to get herself to a point where she's willing to take those tools and do something with them. 
And I think it's really incredible the way they portray that. I was talking to a friend about this movie yesterday after I watched it, and she said, this movie reminds me of what it's like to have a newborn, which is a dramatic statement, but postpartum depression is something that a lot of women go through, and there's so much shame surrounding it, and it's very much that. There are so many tools available, but you have to first admit to somebody that you need help, Mm -hmm. and there's that shame in admitting that you need help Mm -hmm. with mental health, and so that's something that a lot of women struggle with, and there's a lot of untold stories about the loneliness and isolation and depression that comes once you enter motherhood. And that's not usually a loneliness and depression isolation that stays, but it's something that a lot of women uh, experience. I think that they chose to have a seven-year-old in this because you wanted two characters that were lovable and relatable. It's hard to really relate to an infant and it would have been a very different movie, but I think this could very easily be a movie about postpartum depression. Uh, I also think it's just a movie overall about mental health. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think this one is about grief specifically, but I think you can apply it to any number of issues, your demons, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. I think the statement is so obvious that I admire it, right? Like you're never going to get rid of these things. Mm -hmm. You're going to learn to manage them. Yeah. You can't get rid of the Babadook. And so often with things like grief, depression, um, you know, other mental health issues, we will frequently feel like we have to overcome or defeat them. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's often not realistic. Most right. of the time that's not realistic. And when it comes to grief, I don't think that's ever realistic at all. You know, when you when you experience a loss that causes you to feel like that level of grief, you're never going to feel good about that thing. You're not going to get to a point where you're like, "Well, I'm glad I lost the person that I loved," you know. Right. And for her, she had buried that grief and had refused to acknowledge it for so long that it finally resulted in essentially a nervous breakdown. Yeah. And uh, her lesson was not, I just have to face this and overcome it. And I love that the movie did this. It wasn't, I have to overcome it. It was, I have to face this and be the kind of person that is willing to face this grief from throughout my life. And learn to live with it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just, the Bar- Babadook's always going to be a part of their story and their house. And that's, the reality for how many of us, yeah. you know, we've all got stuff. Yeah. And it's just learning to live with your stuff. You're never, you're never done with your stuff. Yeah. Your stuff is there and sometimes it's bugging you more than not, but you're just, you've got to deal with it. And it's not about giving in to that stuff. Right. But it's about working with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this movie reminded me of a few other movies. Um, Tully. Mm-hmm. Obviously. I was thinking about Tully. Yeah. Um, the, the story of an exhausted woman, like Mm. that just isn't a story we encounter that often. And I am always appreciative when we do. And a a similar theme in Tolly where she is unable and unwilling to ask for help or accept help throughout the movie. And then in the end, she finally does. And she, you know, brings her husband in, in that case. And he, you know, finally realizes that she needs help as well and that's how they start coping with what was a a nervous breakdown for her as well totally yeah the others which is a inferior movie did you see the others i don't who what is it it's nicole kidman yes yeah Yeah. Yeah. that one's not as well done but kind of the similar mother uh, mental illness how do we tell these stories Mm -hmm. i think that the babadook is a Fire Superior movie, but I'd be interested to watch the others again and see how the two compare. Um, the Sixth Sense, another single mom with a 
un- misunderstood child trying to grapple these things, obviously a different movie. But mm-hmm. I think there's an interesting relationship between mothers and sons in horror movies. Mm. I think it's often the a little girl in a horror movie is kind of haunted uh, or the haunting one, but a little boy is often kind of the protagonist in the movie and has a single mom. Uh, I think that's, mm. it would be interesting to explore that trope a little more yeah, and figure out why that is um, and why it's so prevalent. And then Harry Potter, <laughs> but kind of the reverse, right? It's when he strokes her cheek mm-hmm. that the monster is expelled from her body. And uh, Ivy mm. just finished listening to Sorcerer's Stone and it's, the love of his parents that he's so, able yeah, to defeat yeah. Voldemort and just some kind of interesting mm. parent-child relationships. Interesting. I just really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some trivia. Do you want to hear it? Yes. So this movie premiered at Sundance. Uh, it grossed $10.3 million, only took $2 million to make. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Uh, let's see. It was not an initial commercial success. And was only given a real limited release, but then it started picking up. Um, okay, the house. They built that house specifically for this movie. Cool. Yeah, in Adelaide, where they filmed, Victorian houses aren't really a thing. And they mm. didn't want this to be a specifically Australian movie. So they built this Victorian house that you could see anywhere. And which was really interesting because I felt like a big part of this movie was like the old house vibes. Yeah. You know, yeah. the the issues that you only find in old houses where yeah. there's a hole in the wall. Is it the demon or is your house just old? You know, yeah. those stories you can only tell in old houses. Reminds me of uh, Parasite. They built that house for that movie, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I was like it when they... And Hereditary. And they go, oh, yeah, Hereditary is another one. Thank heavens that house wasn't just, like, already existing. And is that place. Oof, burn it to the ground. Okay, so Kent, the director, was very concerned about the young actor's well-being in this. And, oh. You know, because you hear about the girl in The Exorcist yeah. and how she, how that's had, like, lasting negative effects on her having played that role. Right. And so she tried very hard to create a loving environment for this kid on set. The kid's mom was on set all the time. When the, uh, when Amelia, the mm-hmm. actress playing Amelia, was yelling, she wasn't yelling at the kid. I wondered. I was watching that. I just finished it last night and I was like, I wonder if they pulled him off set and had her yelling at like a blank screen or something. So they had an adult kneel down. Okay. Which I thought I was like, good good for them. Good. You know, like it's not worth ruining a kid's a six life year old. for no. a movie. No. I also love that she didn't tell him the full movie and I'm sure this kid hasn't seen this movie. Like yeah. this kid heard like there's a monster, you're running away from the monster. I yeah. think that's And everything's okay, okay in the end. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to work with child actors, protect them as much as possible. Um, the Babadook was one of the best-reviewed films of 2014. It holds an approval rating of 98% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 237 reviews with Ooh. an average rating of 8.2 out of 10. The critical consensus states the Babadook relies on real horror rather than cheap jump scares and boasts a heartfelt, genuinely moving story to boot. Yep. Kind of a shame we didn't hear more about this movie at the Oscars. I know. Well, and I... I I assumed that it was just kind of a crappy movie because I remember seeing the previews and like, oh, that looks creepy. And then I never heard about it again. So I was like, oh, it must have must have not been very good. Just kind of another horror film dropped in October that's just sort of goes away out of people's minds as soon as Halloween's over. And so I'm surprised by that. Is it too smart of a movie that... I think that horror's ignored a lot. I remember when yeah. Get Out was released, there was a big to-do about it being put in horror 
the horror genre yeah. because the horror genre is so often overlooked by the Academy. Um, I wonder if that will change because mm-hmm. we've had movies like Get Out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had some really interesting horror movies. Taken more seriously. Yeah, but I think in 2014, it was just widely overlooked. I wonder if it's because the Babadook is gay. We're going to get to that. <laughs> I've set aside like 20 minutes for you to explain this. <laughs> William Fredkin, director of The Exorcist, said of the film, I've never seen a movie more, f- uh, I've never seen a more terrifying film than The Babadook. Whoa. Uh, oh, they auditioned a lot of eight and nine-year-olds for the part of Samuel, but those eight and nine-year-olds had kind of a sense of knowing about mm-hmm. the role. And when they found Noah, the kid who played him, he just was so innocent. Oh. They were like, we got to use the six-year-old. Wow. Um, okay, here we go. The film became a meme and symbol for the LGBTQ community after Netflix accidentally placed it under LGBT movies. He like. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about memes is you if you try and like really understand where they came from, you're going to end up more confused than when they started. Like memes just kind of <laughs> appear. And this is one of the weirder ones. But I'm going to let you try and explain no, why so the Babadook is a gay icon. It's so the Babadook funny. himself, by the way, not the movie, not the, movie. the Babadook, the actual <laughs> monster in the Babadook. Meg texted me yesterday and she was like, why is the Babadook a queer icon? And I texted her back a picture of the Babadook and said, I don't know how else to explain this to you. Because <laughs> sometimes you just know. You just look at them and you know. Um, but so, yeah, one of the one of the things uh, that happened was somebody posted on Tumblr and was like made a joke that was like, um, people who don't think the Babadook was gay, like, did you even watch the movie? And then just everybody just kind of like latched onto that and it became a joke that um, I don't know. The Babadook is fabulous. He dre- he's dressed for success. I mean, he has a top hat. He's is got that a, it? He's got a top hat. He's dressed for success. He's like, he's he's lurking in the corners. He's in the closet for a little while. He's just gay. The Babadook okay. is just obviously gay. Okay. And we are happy to have him. Okay. And also, all gay people got a lot of grief. And so, <laughs> maybe that's... <laughs> Okay. The Babadook I did. I started, I was like, I was digging into it and there were a few like, you know, the Babadook disrupts the typical household. And I'm like, are we maybe, are we maybe reading a little too much into this? Just like maybe. You can make anything gay if you look hard enough. Sure. I had, I saw one time I saw this, uh, this, this article that ranked Disney villains on how gay they were. Oh, I mean, Jaff- or not Jafar. Well, Jafar, yeah, Jafar and was, also Scar. Scar is very gay. Um, the most, the most gay uh, was Ursula. They ranked <laughs> that the most gay. And the wait, least... wait, wait, wait. As like Ursula herself is gay or a gay icon? Both. They were doing both, and it was like <laughs> Ursula mean, is like she's a big gay icon. But I think also... she's asexual. I think she's just power hungry. But like this she's article, fabulous. this article said that she is one of the letters in LGBTQ. Q. Plus. Q, if anything. Sure. I don't know, Meg. I never talked to her directly. The least, the one who ranked the least gay, though, any guesses? The least queer icon Disney villain of all time. The Hunter and Bambi? No, he's he's a little gay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, it was the the wicked stepmother in Cinderella. They're like there isn't a single gay vibe <laughs> coming from that lady. <laughs> I could say Sid on Toy Story too. <laughs> anyway, 
Yeah. We would be remiss yeah. if, before we close, we did not mention the guy who became famous on Twitter because he showed up to a Halloween party <laughs> dressed in the Babadook, as the Babadook, and no one else was in costume. It's The picture is amazing. We will definitely share that photo yeah. on social media. Yeah. I really enjoyed the Babadook, and I really enjoyed talking with you about it, Eli. Yeah, watch it. Maybe don't watch it with your young kids. Don't watch it with your young kids. I watched it on Prime. I think I rented it on yeah, Prime. me too. I don't know if it's available anywhere else. I think it's worth the rental cost of like two ninety nine if you're looking for a good October movie. And watch it with a set of eyes that is not your horror set of eyes. Absolutely. Watch it with watch it contemplatively, and yeah. you'll get a lot out of it. Agreed. Uh, next week, Allison will be here. Allison, our social media person, better known as Suge Knight. Mm. On Twitter.com, she will be here to talk about Sleepaway Camp with us, a movie I'm super nervous to watch. We'll yeah. see how it goes. Mm. Uh, we will be back then. Please remember to leave us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us gain traction. Uh, follow us on Twitter at HiveMindHQ and on Instagram at HiveMindHQ. Um, we're kind of picking up content there interacting with our audience a little more. It's been fun. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, And we will be back next week. 